Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this time we're talking about Giacchino Rossini's The Barber of Seville, Il Barbieri di Siviglia, Eric, which debuted in Rome in 1816. An obscure little opera that nobody's ever heard of, but we thought you might like it. (laughs) (laughs) Quite the contrary. This is uh, this is an opera that's probably unparalleled in its uh, success in penetrating, you know, pop culture. And, and I mean, if you've never seen the opera or, or think you've never heard it, you've probably seen The Rabbit of Seville with Bugs Bunny lampooning it, or you know, you've seen some stereotypical big giant baritone, you know, going Figaro, 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 Figaro. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is based upon the Beaumarchais play of the same name. And it comes 30 years, or approximately 30 years, after Mozart wrote The Marriage of Figaro, which was also based on the Beaumarchais play of the same name. Yeah. The Marriage of Figaro is based on the second play of the trilogy, whereas The Barber of Seville is based on the first. So this is the prequel. Right. Rosina here in The Barber of Seville we know as the Countess in The Marriage of Figaro, and... Almaviva is still Almaviva, and uh, Figaro, Figaro is still Figaro. Figaro. <laughs> Although he has a different job. Yes. Here in the Barber of Seville, he is the town's, he's the barber, he's the, the general factotum. factotum. What's mm-hmm. a factotum? He's sort of a jack of all trades. Whatever you need, he'll do it. That's right. Master of everything. Yeah. Does he have the same sort of role here in the Barber as he does in the Marriage of Figaro? Well, kind of. He's still he's still the guy behind the scenes kind of manipulating everything to come out the way that, that he wants and that, that uh, makes the best sense for everyone. He's sort of like a, a procurer. Yeah. But in order to make a living, he will do whatever the person that hires him needs him to do. Right. We're meeting all these characters, though, before life and money and and all these things have had a chance to kind of jade them a bit so we meet an alma viva who is well in the marriage of figaro he's he's sort of the antagonist he's the one that they're all trying to uh, thwart but here he's he's figaro's ally in alma viva's attempts to try to get next to rosina so what we have is rosina as you said she's a, a young girl she has lost her family, and she's under the guardianship of Dr. Bartolo. She's the ward. And she is a girl with uh, beauty, and she's a girl with money. Mm-hmm. She has an income or a dowry. And Dr. Bartolo has in mind that when she comes of age and that he will marry her, he's a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's he's the comedic lech is what he is here. He's he's the older guy who's uh, grasping far above his reach in thinking that he's going to, you know, secure Rosina for himself. And the role is sung by a, a, a basso buffo. Yes. A, a comic bass. Right. This is a prime example of bel canto opera and buffo is a a tradition in bel canto. There are Singers who make a career of these roles. Uh, you know, you think of your Enzo Daras and Renato Capecchis, and I mean, we could name them all day. They're people who, who are renowned, who become, you know, who become stars of sorts doing these comedic roles. What other characters 
in other operas are these these basso buffo. Don Pasquale, in the title role of uh, of Donizetti's Don Pasquale. Basilio in, in here is not really a buffo role. Um, think of uh, Dandini and uh, Don Magnifico in Cenerentola by Rossini. Pretty much any comedic opera of the bel canto school is going to have at least one major buffo role. And the elixir of love. Oh, yes, Dulcamara. Dulcamara. Exactly. Donizetti. So at the beginning, the opening of Act One of The Barber of Seville, we are outside Dr. Bartolo's house, and Almaviva has hired this group of musicians to sort of serenade Rosina. Yes. Underneath her window. Right. They have already caught each other's attention, Almaviva and Rosina. I don't know that they've actually met. Yeah, but, but they know of one another and they're intrigued. Right. And Almaviva has this aria. Ecco ridente in cielo. There, laughing in the sky. But he's passing himself off not as Count Almaviva, not as one of the grandees of Spain, a member of the, the Spanish aristocracy. He's in from out of town. Right. And he is passing himself off in terms of flirting with Rosina as Lindoro, mm-hmm. who is a soldier. Right. Supposedly. We've seen this before, right? Rigoletto, the Duke. Gualtier Malde, you know, these guys... The student. Right, these mm-hmm. guys think, you know, they, they're going to uh, have more success if they pass themselves off as someone much less grand and imposing than, than their, uh, their station. But why does Almaviva need to assume this uh, false identity? Well, presumably to get past Bartolo, because he's got a reputation, Almaviva does... <laughs> <laughs> and he knows it's going to be a tough, uh, a tough uh, road to hoe to get past Bartolo to get to Rosina. So, but uh, there's also that sense that he doesn't want her to be swayed by his social position and his wealth. Right. So he plays himself off as a commoner. Right. Because of Bartolo's intentions to keep Rosina for himself, he keeps her on a very tight leash, very yeah. short leash. Under lock and key, practically. And this is where Figaro comes in. Right. With the grandest of entrance arias, and it's the one that everybody knows, Largo al Factotum. If you've never heard anything from any other opera, you've heard this, I guarantee it. <laughs> And he's singing about the fact that he is this this factotum. Whatever you need him to do, he can do for you. Yeah. And we should say, too, that this is a typical Rossini comedy. It is screwball supreme. I mean, it is just out there. And and this aria is a perfect example of that because he's 
He's just waxing poetic about himself right and left. How great he is, how in demand he is, and everybody's calling for me, calling for me. Figaro here, Figaro there, Figaro up, Figaro down. <laughs> Figaro, 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 Figaro. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's also very virtuosic and by no means easy to sing. Almaviva approaches Figaro and asks him, in essence, I want to meet Rosina. What can you do for me? And it's actually Figaro that comes up with this idea of the Count assuming this identity and passing himself off as a, as a drunken soldier. Right. Who is ordered to, to be billeted with Dr. Bartolo in the house. And Almaviva thinks, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. And he gives Figaro a nice purse of money. Right. Scene two, we are inside Dr. Bartolo's house. And now we get to really hear Rosina. And this is her big show-stopping aria. Una voce poco fa. Right. And this is where she tells us who she is. And she tells us that well, normally I seem very nice and I'm compliant and I'm docile and I'm just, you know, she doesn't say sugar and spice and everything nice, but you know, pretty much that's the, that's the impression, that's the facade she, she presents. But, she says, ma, <laughs> if you cross me, <laughs> I become a viper. I will lay a thousand traps. She is no one to be crossed. She's, uh, she's kind of letting everyone know, don't mess with me, fellas. This ain't my first time at the rodeo. <laughs> at this point, as we said, she only knows the Count as Lindoro, but she is in love with him. Well, yes. she's falling in love with him, and yes. she writes him a letter, which she drops over the balcony so that he can pick it up underneath her window. But then Bartolo and Basilio. Don Basilio, mm -hmm. who is her singing teacher, come in, and they know that Count Almaviva, this great womanizer. Seducer, yes. Is in town. He's in Seville. And they suspect he's sniffing around Rosina. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So Basilio comes up with this idea of putting out these sort of slanderous rumors about Almaviva. In, of course, an aria. <laughs> <laughs> La calumnia, calumny. And he expounds upon the power of slander, you know, and it grows and it grows and it grows until it becomes like a cannon shot. It becomes so out of control and large. Bartolo and Basilio leave and Figaro and Rosina enter. And Figaro tells Rosina that Lindoro, she now has heard who he is, is Figaro's cousin. Right. And he's in love with someone, he says. And, and he, she asks, who? 
And he starts, he sort of teases it out and he says, um, let me think, uh, starts with an R. <laughs> and she finally, you know, she's, and she's, she, you know, she's hearing what she wants to hear that he's a, Lindoro is in love with her. And, uh, they they have a, a really wonderful duet. Dun son tu non mingani. So it's me. She says, "You're not kidding. You're not messing with me." Dun And in fact, Figaro asks Rosina to write Lindoro a little note, some encouraging words, which, she, of course, she's happy to do. Bartolo re-enters, and he is, he's suspicious. He knows, he's got this feeling that something is going on. Right, and behind his back. And he <laughs> he's determined that nobody's going to pull the wall over his eyes. Right. He has a big aria at this point. A un dottor della mia sorte. He talks about... A doctor of my standing, you know, I deserve better than this. <laughs> but then there is this this commotion because Lindoro, the intoxicated soldier, shows up. Knocks on the door. Yeah. He comes but, staggering in, playing drunk to the hilt. Bartolo tries to prevent him coming in. Right. But he's unable to do so. And the Count is able to have a quick word with Rosina, telling her that he is Lindoro and giving her a letter. There's all these letters flying around. Oh, yeah. It's worse than Traviata. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Bartolo sees the letter and wants to know what it is. Rosina, and this is where we see sort of the, the, the true nature of, that she was singing about earlier. Quick on her feet. She gives him another piece of paper she happens to have on him, and it's the laundry list. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this scene just escalates because here we are. This is... <laughs> this is the Rossini Act One finale. You know, comic operas for Rossini were in two acts, and the Act One finale is always a complete showstopper. Everybody's on stage, and it's intricate and it's virtuosic. Uh, they begin with this um, this ensemble called Fredda ed immobile, awestruck uh, and immovable. Yes, frozen. They're all frozen. They just they're dumbstruck as, as what's going on here. Bartolo has done is essentially called in a, a policeman. Yes. To get the drunken the Lindoro drunk out. out. And <laughs> and what Almaviva does is tells him who he really is. That's right. <laughs> he shows him his his member of the aristocracy badge. Right. And says, "Okay, keep this under your hat." When he does that, the officer, of course, realizing who he's dealing with, lets him go immediately. Right. 
So Bartolo again, his plans are frustrated. And he doesn't know why. <laughs> he has no idea. End of Act One. Yeah, well, after Fred and Immobile, we have a huge, big, noisy, gigantic uh, finale. Then end of Act One. <laughs> Act two, we're in the music room in Dr. Bartolo's house, and Rosina is due to have a singing lesson from Basilio. Right. But he's not coming, it appears. He's quote-unquote sick, and yes. a substitute, he sent a substitute in his place. Well, this is the story anyway. Uh-huh. And the substitute, it just happens to be a disguised Alma Viva. right. So Almaviva now is disguised as the singing teacher. And Bartolo, is, again, is suspicious. He and thinks something might be going on, and he doesn't want to get caught out. And again, Almaviva's just playing this to the hilt. He's using a... I mean, typically, the tenor playing Almaviva will be using a really comedic, nasal, nerdy singing voice to, to be the music teacher. So Alma Viva slash the pretend singing teacher right. is able to gain the confidence of Dr. Bartolo by giving him Rosina's letter, the one that she had dropped over the balcony. And saying, I have a plan. We can discredit this Lindoro, who I think is one of Alma Viva's servants and is trying to get women for his master. Right. Because Bartolo is all for that, because that ties in with what Basilio had suggested in Act One, which is, you know, trying to discredit Alma Viva because of his uh, amorous reputation. Right. Bartolo. Still, he's not convinced. He does not leave the singing teacher alone with Rosina. He comes in and he asks Figaro to shave him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so while this singing lesson's going on, Figaro is giving Dr. Bartolo a shave. Yes, and, you know, conveniently facing him away <laughs> from Rosina and Almaviva. Typically in this, at this point... Uh, the soprano or mezzo-soprano singing Rosina, and it could be done by either. There's a there's a performing edition that you can transpose everything up for a high soprano, but more often than not, these days, the original mezzo-soprano sings Rosina. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so typically at this point, there's a an aria that Rosini composed for this, but it's kind of tradition for uh, a star mezzo-soprano to uh, interpolate another uh, aria in this piece. Uh, typically by Rossini, uh, you know, you might have something from uh, La Rodona del Lago or from, uh, from Italiano in Algeri. It's, it's just an opportunity for her to, you know, throw in a nice little showy aria. <laughs> and that's the music scene. That's the music lesson that's, that she sings. But who shows up? Uh-oh. Basilio. Yeah. 
And he's not sick. He's not sick. <laughs> but again, Almaviva, quick on his feet, gives Basilio, secretly gives him a purse full of money and says, keep quiet. Yeah. <laughs> You're not well. You're not well. <laughs> and you need right. to go home. They go on to, <laughs> to convince him that he's yeah. not well. So the ensemble begins, Buona sera, mio signore. Good, good night. You Time to go home. You need to go home. You need to rest. And they keep... <laughs> one after another, they keep trying to shove him out the door, and he keeps coming back. <laughs> it's very funny stuff. By this time, Bartolo realizes that something is up and that this is a trick, and he wants to get everybody out, and he wants to get to the notary so that he can draw up the marriage contract between himself and Rosina. Yeah. In other words, to thwart... Almaviva. And he shows Rosina the letter that she had written to Lindoro, telling her that this Lindoro is working for Almaviva. And she doesn't know any better. She doesn't know that, that, that Lindoro is Almaviva, and she feels that, um, you know, that perhaps she's been betrayed. And so she's, she's a little down. Then there is a thunderstorm outside. Almaviva and Figaro climb up the ladder from outside to the balcony and they come in through the window. With the intent of spiriting Rosina away from Bartolo. But when they arrive, when they get into the room, Rosina shows them the letter and says, I can't believe that you've done me like this. Yeah. You've betrayed me. Yeah. And I'm heartbroken. Right. The only thing that Almaviva can do now... Come clean. Come clean. So he does. And they are reconciled. They hear people approaching outside, and so they're trying to get back out down the ladder from the balcony down to the ground, but the ladder's not there. They're stuck. The people that they hear approaching outside the room is Basilio and the notary. Who's been called to ratify the marriage between Bartolo and Rosina. Correct. But. but. <laughs> Again, Basilio is given a bribe and is basically told, you can take this bribe, be a witness to the wedding of Rosina and Almaviva, or we'll shoot you. <laughs> and then Basilio and Figaro witness the marriage of Almaviva and Rosina. And they lived happily ever <laughs> after. Not. <laughs> but we don't know that yet. Immediately after that marriage contract is concluded, it's signed, sealed, and delivered, Barzolo bursts in and realizes that he's too late. They assuage him, though, by saying that even though Rosina is not going to be his wife, he can have her dowry. And they all live happily ever after. Not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, why has the Barber of Seville remained in the, the top operas of any opera house in the world? Well, it's just Rosina at his absolute best. This is arguably the greatest of his comedies, both musically and in terms of, you know, this wonderfully 
screwball plot. It's just the one that has held on to the public's imagination um, more than, than any of the others. And musically? Musically, it's, it's vintage Rossini. And again, if you've heard anything from opera without ever having seen an opera, you'll have heard a lot from this opera. The Overture Alone. Everybody's surely heard the overture. Everybody's heard La de Guelph Octotum, Figaro's big entrance aria. If you've been around opera at all, you've certainly heard Una Voce for Poco Fa. The, the duet, Dunque Io Son. I mean, they're all so memorable and so tuneful and so characterful. There's, there's just so much from this opera that's, that sticks in your head. And yet, ironically, it was a failure when it debuted. Yeah. its premiere. Yeah. One of those, you know, legendary failures like Traviata. Rostin is the Barber of Seville. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm St. John Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 